Hey, this is Brian Patton from As the Story Grows, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 233, Emery with Brian Patton of As the Story Grows. Do you think like Emery in those early days and Under Oath They're Chasing Safety are in the same genre or even same league? Hosted by Dan Terry. You always have like four or five outtakes of them doing it wrong. And Joseph Wren. I feel like I'm back in 2005 and everybody can't agree on what Metalcore actually is. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you find yourself in a win-win situation with two drinks and endless hot wings, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Brian. You are. You're listening to it and you're watching it. What is up, everybody? Yes! Welcome to yet another episode of Discography Discussion. And we are doing something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, uh, which is an episode on Emery, all things Emery. Well, if by all things, I mean all studio albums, ignoring any EPs or demos. Uh, but hey, Dan, the time up, has come. Oh, the time has come. Are you psyched? I mean, I'm pretty psyched. I'm glad. I'm, into it. I'm really glad that you're psyched to talk about Emery this week. We got Brian <laughs> Patton here. I know he's psyched to talk about everything. And uh, this always. week we're talking about Emery. Always. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Well, Emo before we do bit. that, we've got all kinds of other stuff to, to get to. We just dropped an episode last week uh, on Def Leppard, uh, which was very, very out of uh, out of my comfort comfort zone. And uh, that was a Freudian slip. But uh, yeah, that's very much <laughs> out of my comfort zone. And, uh, you know, it's one of those it, it's it's one of those bands that I never thought that we were going to talk about. Um, and I didn't have a lifetime of experience. So we called in uh, our good friend Metal Jesus of Metal Jesus Rocks to fill us in. He was sitting here. He had his vinyl out. Uh, I didn't even have to do the. I didn't have to throw the covers up on the screen uh, as often because he's like, no, I got it right here. And so he, he did my job for me. And uh, that was a that was a crazy episode. And uh, once that episode hit Twitter, uh, there were uh, all manner of people uh, that, that had something to say about it. So I'm going to share a couple of those tweets uh, right now with you guys. Um, so I'm going to I'm only going to do maybe two or three of them because uh there, there, there's so many to get through. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start with uh, Sleepy Snorlax says, I definitely appreciate Def Leppard more today than back in the 80s. For whatever reason, uh, I would only have one to two favorite bands and I had to dislike the rest. I can relate to that. Uh, probably had something to do with the MTV countdown and wanting my bands to be number one. I think we can all relate to that. I remember being a huge new metal fan and being all like, yo, bro, uh, I think Limp Biscuit should be number one, <laughs> you know, every, every single week, which if you watch Lollapalooza, uh, you know, Limp Biscuit absolutely, uh, became number one again, I think in the hearts of a lot of people. <laughs> so, uh, you're going to make me put that in the show notes, aren't you? Oh yeah. You're going to have to put a link to the, uh, to the, uh, Limp Biscuit Lollapalooza. It's, it's, it's life changing. No matter how you feel about Limp Biscuit, whether you love them or hate them, you watch that show, it's going to be really hard to watch that and not come come away from it as a fan. The visual aesthetic alone between Fred and Wes, just, I mean, how do you, what do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, you just, you, you, you love it. You know, you go out, you go out and you buy the new record whenever it drops, you, you know, break stuff, man. You break stuff. You it's know, just one of those days. You do everything your way, you know? I'm not convinced um, it wasn't a fake mustache and a wig. Uh, I think that it probably was a wig for sure because uh, I've seen I've seen some videos and pictures of like Limp Biscuit playing recently before Lollapalooza and Fred did not look like that <laughs> like at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I know these comments aren't about Limp Biscuit. It's just this is really fresh in our minds and uh, absolutely felt needed to be needed to be talked about. Uh, but uh, getting getting back to these tweets, one of the funniest things uh, I saw was up the irons. Uh, I, Maiden, the soundtrack to my life, uh, indicating that like, oh, you should do a uh, Iron Maiden episode. So I, uh, in, in my my most self promoty fashion, I linked to the Iron Maiden episode that we already did. Uh, Good job, dude. They, you win so social media that. this time. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't want to get kicked off of too many places for spamming. But uh, here we are. Uh, the other comment, that's the last one I'm going to read, but uh, it says, um, 
High and Dry is so riffy, uh, so I'll go for that one. They should talk about Vinnie Vincent Invasion next. (laughs) 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 To which, uh, which at this point, I'm like, what show am I even on anymore? Uh, (laughs) But uh, Metal Jesus came in, responded to that one, said Vinnie Vincent Invasion. That would be a really short episode. Unless you include all of the Kiss albums he helped write, which they should. Uh, (laughs) To which I then had to respond like, yeah, Metal Jesus has been wanting us to do a Kiss episode for years. We are going to do it, but uh, we want to make sure we do it right. So I don't know if that's like a 52 part episode or how how that how all of that splits apart. I don't think that there's anything that we can say on a Kiss episode that won't piss someone off. (laughs) So bring it on. It's going to be like this episode. I mean, I'm we're going to have some hot takes tonight, kids. I'm just excited that we finally broke the barrier down and we get to talk about riffs. And I don't mean riffs in the way that Dan historically means when he says we're talking about riffs. We're talking about the 80s where it was all about the guitar. And we got some stuff coming because Def Leppard's not going to be the last 80s heavy band that we talk about on this show. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that there has been such a demand, I guess, for us to talk about some of these 80s bands. I mean, when we first started, the most 80s we would go is like thrash bands from the 80s, like a Metallica or Megadeth or Sepultura, like somebody that's like very active now, but kind of dates all the way back to there. So and I guess that's true of Def Leppard. I mean, their most recent record came out in what, 2015? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, just get ready for that docking episode, I guess, you know. (laughs) That's why we went with the neon sign for the new logo. We, we knew we were going to the 80s. Um, anyway, <laughs> I got to say, Brian's like, oh, my God. Can we talk about Emery now? <laughs> <laughs> well, before Brian Patton finally gets his way, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Oh, I am going to tell you about five-star reviews. Uh, You know, since we're available on so many different podcasting apps, it would be super awesome if you guys would drop us some five-star reviews or whatever kind of reviews you think that we deserve. Keep sharing those episodes. Keep emailing us. Keep joining the Discord server. There's room for everybody. And uh, Discord has actually gotten so out of control lately that I've had to mute it and then just check it at specific (laughs) times during the day because... uh, you know, it, when Brian Patton shows up on your Discord, you know, you got to be like, you got to really slow down because he's going to start throwing recommendations at you Things that, that you're not going to be ready for. We're yeah. going to start battling for height. Yeah, 100%. So, Dan, tell me about Emery. Oh, my goodness. So, Emery is a American... I would have called him an emo band a few years ago. I guess post-hardcore is the correct term to use these days, but I don't know. Matt calls him, a, calls him an emo band. <laughs> so, I think that's... Uh, I think that's a pretty good place to start. Uh, the first time I ever heard about Emery, I was uh, I was on a forum. It was either a forum or one of those like uh, illegal downloading sites that I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, but there was like a chat in there, and somebody was like, "Oh, I really love uh, you know this band." He's like, "I really like Thousand Foot Crutch, Project Eighty Six, and da da da." But I want to hear something like, I want to hear something like a little bit more emo, like a little bit less new metal, a little bit more emo. And uh, everybody starts, you know, recommending all these bands until one guy's like, you need to check out Emery. Emery eats every band that has ever been mentioned alive. And uh, so on that recommendation, I immediately had to uh, had to go check out Emery. And I was very, very impressed by what I heard, uh, just in the sense that they had that you have an emo band with that has amazing melody, just like very like dripping, just super sweet melody. Um, and then you've got these screams, which the screams are probably my favorite part of Emory, not because they're like the most intense, sickest, darkest screams ever recorded on tape. Uh, it's more just because they are pure emotional uh, screams and they sound a little goofy at times. But I think that that's kind of what makes it cool. There's a very, very special screaming part on the first album that we will talk about uh, <laughs> coming up soon. Brian, what about you? Where did you start with Emory? I believe I saw the video for Walls 
and it blew me away. And I kept up with the singles from that first album, but I didn't really get into them until The Question, their second record. Uh, they were in AP Magazine, and I was at uh, Borders Books, RIP Borders Books, uh, and I, I read... I read the Emory interview and I uh, then walked over to the Best Buy and purchased the question and I've been a big fan ever since. Wait, they didn't have it for sale at Borders? Uh, they might have, but it would have been cheaper at the Best Buy. Would have been nine nine. It would have been nineteen ninety nine at Borders. Yeah, I, I bought a second <laughs> yeah. from there one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe. What about you? I know for a fact this is one of those bands that Dan would put on when he was in control of the stereo, which was any time he was either driving or riding in the car. And I hate to say that back in 2005, 2006, when I would have experienced this band for the first time, I lumped them in with all the other emo-sounding bands at the time. And don't get me wrong, there are times where this band just under-oaths it up, and that is what I can't stand. Other times, they show off the fact that they can actually sing and write interesting songs, so it's a good mix, and it has enough of the emo tendencies of that era but also maintain some musical integrity that not all of those bands were capable of doing i can agree with that yeah (laughs) no i mean i can i can definitely like they they did take kind of a formula that i think was really familiar for a lot of people but did add kind of this finesse to it and like lyrical content especially was far less shallow in a lot of places uh, than it was I, uh, more more later on in the career, but uh, it was far less shallow than, than than what I think a lot of bands were talking about at the time. I mean, there's still plenty of there's still plenty of girlfriend talk. Or there's still plenty of like I'm right, she's wrong, you know, <laughs> sort of stuff with Emery. But uh, but yeah, well, I guess we have to just get into it. You know, I, I can make I could make vague statements about Emery all night long, but um, let's jump in, shall we? Yeah. 2004, the week's end. And uh, that's the week's end, and that it's the end of week, people. Uh, if you if you weren't entirely sure, it's See not. See what we did not, there? Nudge, nudge, grin, grin, wink, wink. Say no more. Yeah, it's not the last day before the weekend. It's just people that are really, really weak. They're gonna be ended, I guess. So what's um, the visual here? His head is, is a giant fishbowl, and it's partially filled with water. Oh, you should see the back cover. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> What's interesting about this is this as as an older person that has trouble sleeping without assistance, um, you know, this record, the cover of this record reminds me of what it feels like when I wake up in the morning and I didn't use my CPAP machine the night before. Um, That's literally if if the fishbowl, if the water in the fishbowl is my energy level, that's about where I would start uh, in, you know, early on in the day. Uh, so, you know, the cover was relatable then and now. I think that I think then it was more of a measure of my self-esteem going into social situations. Uh, now it's just uh, just general exhaustion. But uh, yeah, this is this is my favorite cover artwork um, of Emery's uh, out of all of their covers. And uh, I wish that they had kind of explored this uh, more like kind of kept a theme, like always had the fishbowl head guy on all their records. Do it like the new metal bands did it. So the week's end. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Brian start off on the week's end because I've been talking for way too long. Sure. I mean, the thing to say about the week's end is you get one chance to make a first impression, and that first impression for Emery was walls. I mean, if you put on the week's end, if you bought that CD brand new, or if you saw that video, that was the first single. That's your introduction. That song punches you in the face. I mean, are you listening? Like, well, I yeah, I fucking am now. Like, you're screaming yeah. at me. Um, this is Emery's most emo record. I, I think after this, they really break away from from emo, and and I think they're quite original in a lot of their sound. Um, and this this one just strikes me as very emo. The interplay that you get between Toby and Devin's vocals um, is is great. They just are able to harmonize with each other. Um, you know, this record doesn't have outside of walls and I think ponytail parades. There's not a lot of heaviness on this record. I mean, it's it's really scaled back. You only get heaviness in like spurts, um, but but I mean, they grab your attention right out the gate. And what more do you want when you put on a record than to just be assaulted? Yeah. <laughs> Are you laughing? Yeah, and I think that I think with the week's end and and why it's one of my favorite Emery records, it's definitely top definitely top three for me. Uh, number one, every record you know, if it's the first one you ever heard by a band, is always going to be your favorite to some degree. Um, but I mean, this, this hit me just in the right place in high school, you know, and, um, 
it felt good to hear that lush of melody because I mean at the time all I was listening to was like harsh metalcore. You know what I mean? Like just uh, just really really um, salt and vinegar, you know, piss and vinegar type type of stuff. And um, Emery so was just like, jaw. yeah. Well, Glassjaw was a little at least a little bit more like Emery, I guess, in a certain way. Not really, uh, <laughs> but uh, sort of the same idea, the singy, screamy uh, sort of thing. But. Um, I, I just, I really, really, really liked the interplay between uh, between Devin and Toby. It just, to the point where they sound distinctly different, but almost sound like they're either brothers or um, or even the same vocalist put on, you know. Um, they sound distinctly different, but on this record, it's almost like they were trying to sound the same, <laughs> you know, and, and I really love that. You know, whenever I first, she was my girlfriend at the time, but my wife now, uh, whenever, we, whenever I was listening to this record in the car with her, she, you know, one of the first things she said is like, wow, um, unlike most of the other music that you listen to, these guys can actually sing, you know, and they actually sound, they actually sound really, really good. And, um, the only part of that, this record, cause I think this record is completely flawless. It's just that, uh, there's that there's that part in walls, uh, you know, let the walls have their say. And then they just go into this just I don't even know how to describe it. And I think the band has even has even said that it started off basically as a joke. Like, are we going to do this? Like, just scream, just scream our lungs out like no technique, no, you know, uh, nothing like that. But it's it's super cool. It's, it's I look forward to it whenever I'm listening to the song. Um, everything you've heard up to that point is kind of building up to that moment. Uh, and I feel like if I'd heard it for the first time, like today, I'd be like, oh God, that's terrible. Why did they, why did they put that in there? Uh, but because I've been with it so many years, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me anymore. But yeah, like Brian said, this record isn't, um, it's definitely not the heaviest, uh, Emery record, but I don't think that that was the goal. Um, I think they were just really trying to pour their hearts out on this one and, and, and really make an impression. And they, they definitely did that. Brian, I'm going to try to say this only one time tonight. So you don't murder my soul. Go for it. Parts of this record definitely have an A-Types vibe to me, but I think that's more of the times where <laughs> you have all of these aspects of... It's melodic rock, but everybody lumped it in and called it emo, right? So the fact that Emery has two guitarists with two distinct vocals going on, and they're not totally emoing it up, yeah, okay, there's some dual guitar qualities that remind me of Hope's Fall. But beyond that, the record is solid. The band can actually play. My least favorite parts are the times when it's just emo for the sake of being emo. But it's okay. Definitely wasn't for me back in 2004. I think hindsight, this is one of the better albums I've heard. Definitely from this band. And I'm interested to see what happens next. I mean, I'll agree. With, this record wasn't for me in 2004 either. Because I, outside of the singles, I was kind of met on this record at the time. It wasn't hitting me the same way the question would when that came out. And even still, when I listen to this discography, I like The Week's End, but it doesn't do nearly what some of the other Emmy records do in the discography. I think it's time. 2005, The Question. You guys want me to ask a question? Um, Where worst memory cover was? artwork, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but uh, I still like it. I think it's I think it's clever and everything. But uh, I would have accepted I a man it. with no face and a sweet fedora hat, or you know, with the, but his head's a fishbowl. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this I remember buying this record in a Christian bookstore uh, that, that doesn't exist anymore. But um, I remember uh, whenever you turn it around, they're like dressed like the dudes in Emory are just dressed like really weird, like almost in this like Amish sort of get up. I don't remember. I don't have the CD in front of me right now. But uh, you know, I remember the ladies like. Well, these look like very interesting gentlemen, you know, when she was like scanning the CD and checking it out for me. Um, I paid $19 for the question in a Christian bookstore. Um, yeah, I know it happens, but I didn't care. I was stoked. I love the week's end, so I couldn't wait for part two, you know, and uh, it was not that at all. Uh, the question is a totally is a more like if there's a better way to say it than this, I don't know what it is. The real Emery has arrived on the question. Um, the thing about the week's end is I think that it was kind of, it was trying to do kind of what other bands that were similar to it was doing, were doing at the time. Whereas the question is a little bit more original. It's a little bit more, um, rock focused. It's a little bit more, you know, because I feel like bands like this, nobody starts off being like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start an emo band. They all want to start like a rock band, like, a, you know, 
like just a band that, that like a more generalized audience is going to enjoy versus just a specific fans of a subgenre. And I think that they do service to people that loved the week's end while pushing their own musical boundaries further. These songs are catchier. These, I mean, the, this is a record that I feel like maybe I don't say every song could be a single, but it's like really hard because like um, so cold. I could see my breath uh, to me. That's a single studying politics is a single Freddie Mercury is a single. I mean, they just I, for whatever reason, they are able to pull so many hooks out of that sound. Whereas on the week's end, um, it was good, but it wasn't like uh, it didn't have mass appeal like like the question does. It just blows the lid off of what they were capable of doing. It definitely has that mass appeal that just sounds like 2005 to me. I think the biggest redeeming quality for this is that they don't go full emo all the time. But most of the time, the melodies just aren't that interesting to me. But this was also 2005 where you had this low piece of melodic rock where emo just had its talons in everything melodic so everybody kind of did those three notes and went back and forth and that was the song i think the best part of this is that they don't go full emo but the majority of it is still there so maybe this is something i should have heard back in 2005 i would have been more interested in it yeah i mean i think the production on this record is is tighter it's crisper sounding this is the first record with dave on drums and his drumming is much tighter much more solid uh which i think elevates the sound i mean this record is definitely heavier from start to finish than the question um this is the question um, <laughs> <laughs> then the week's end that's yeah um and you know I, I think when I listen to this record, I hear Emery, and so I want to categorize it as emo, but I think it's it's just more than that. Yeah, like there's something about their sound that is unique to them that I think a lot of other bands in that genre and trying to do something similar kind of fell into pitfalls of either steering into emo stereotypes or going in hard into to pop, right? Like this doesn't sound like Hawthorne Heights or yellow card or on the other end of the spectrum of band like thursday or taking back sunday it's its own thing right <laughs> you know what it does sound like though the record that came out before panic at the disco decided we want to do this burlesque thing it has that melodic quality to it where it's almost like a show and less like a rock band or a rock song that's being played in front of an audience we're not quite there yet but pop music was going that way they were about to steal our punk for a little while. Well, a lot of these bands that kind of started off, you know, in this sort of scene, it is interesting that by 2005, a lot of them are wearing suits and ties, you know, on stage to play. And it's like this whole production. The vocal melodies are much more soaring. They're, they're much bigger. There's more emphasis put on the choruses of these songs. I knew and, cometh not a moment too soon. Sorry. And I remember, uh, I remember Emery taking off on the question. I remember... I couldn't look anywhere without seeing kids walking in, you know, to my work wearing Emory shirts and talking all about it and, and loving it. Um, this is also around the time uh, where Under Oath uh, had made their major sound change. And, and you know, um, I think it was like a year before that when Chasing Safety came out. Um, and so that just that also blew the lid off of kind of that style of music. And I think it's interesting that Emery didn't go the same route as Under Oath. I feel like Emery could have really leaned into the week's end sound, you know, and 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 probably did uh, moderately well with it. But I think this was just a, a really good evolution for the band. Uh, subject matter is a little bit more mature, you know, with them with them having kind of that Christian background. Um, you have a lot of that on the week's end and on the question, especially lyrically, it's one of my favorite Emory records because they, it starts questioning that whole, like you, you know, Freddie Mercury, especially like that, that like youth group culture, you know, <laughs> and, you know, like talking about, like <laughs> talking about trash talk, talking about like, Ooh, uh, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but, uh, we may have done some of those horrible things that all these people are saying are saying are really bad. You, you guys still want to be friends? Is that, is that cool? You know, um, this is like. You know, if you if you listen to if you listen to their uh, bad Christian podcast and all that stuff, you know they 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 go into all that stuff in exquisite detail, exquisite repetitive detail. Um, and I, I think all of that started with the question. You know, all, all of that 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 sort of mindset of like, hey, you know, we're we're a Christian band, but we want to let you guys know we're not like super perfect or anything. So like, please don't like 
you know, don't at me, bro. You know, <laughs> you know, on on some of the stuff uh, that you may see in here, and um, they absolutely capitalize that whenever we move into "I'm Only a Man." Two thousand seven. Ryan, yeah, go for it. Interject. Whatever you got, man. Go ahead. Well, I I, I want to ask a question since Dan, like, do you think like Emery in those early days and under oath they're chasing safety or in the same genre or even same league? Like, no. Okay. Okay. You were making a comparison there, and I just like. I wasn't making a comparison. I wasn't saying that they were like the same. No. Okay. I guess I <laughs> he's guess, just as mad as you and I am right now. No. I guess what I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's one thing for us to compare records that came out in 2004 and 2005. You know, 15, 16 years later. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just saying that I think that people that were fans of the Underoath sound and fans that of the Emory sound probably all were kind of from the same neighborhood musically. Right. I think if you were a teenager listening to those records at the same time, you called it all screamo because it had screaming and that's what you label mislabeled it as. Correct. It was I, like, I, I was. What is a metalcore band and one is an emo band and like there are similarities, but they're not the same. <laughs> right, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily make the argument that Chasing Safety is a metalcore record. It is what Metalcore became. I think that not half not really. I mean, no, I mean, rise core. I don't like. No, because Jason, I'm sorry. I know this is about Emory, but I feel like we have to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're only chasing safety is more taking back Sunday than it is under oath. Dude, 100 percent. Go listen to go listen to tell all your friends and then tell go listen your, to they're only chasing safety. Sure. They're the only chasing safety has 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 Spencer screaming his head off doing his best Dallas Taylor impression, you know, through, through the whole thing. Like I get it. Um, but like that, that record is not a metalcore record. You can call, you can call under oath a metalcore band all you want. And I will admit that pretty much all of their records before and after that one could be put into that genre, but I'm talking specifically their only chasing safety is more taking back Sunday than it is under oath. We used to literally call it taking back under oath when it came out. Like, I mean, it, it, I, I mean, hard, hard disagree, but <laughs> dude, <laughs> you can disagree all you want, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Emory is, is, is that way. I'm just saying that like, um, I feel like I'm back in 2005 and everybody can't agree on what metalcore <laughs> well, actually no, is. Family, well, because metalcore isn't that I don't think of, I don't even think of bands like under oath as metalcore really like maybe, maybe some of the early, early stuff, but like, um, what they became after chasing safety, like to me, isn't what isn't my own personal copyrighted only to me. Don't at me. Okay. It, it, it's just not metalcore to me. Okay. Um, but do I think that they're on the same level? Absolutely not. I'm going to take Emory over under oath any day of the week, which might be a hot take for some people. Um, but I think that I think the attention to detail, the intricacy in the songwriting, you know, Emory doesn't just get up there and do their verse, chorus, verse, bridge, leave. You know, their songs are outrageously complex and they get even whenever they're doing more poppy music, which is what we're going to get into here in a second. Um, they still absolutely master it in a way that most of the bands in that scene were not able to. So, Brian, do you agree? I can tell you don't. We're going to have to. <laughs> I, I, that's I, fine. No, let's just I, have I it agree on, on Emery. We could. Yeah, we, we could keep going on in Emery. I disagree about Under Oath, but that's. I only mentioned Under Oath. I only mentioned that Under Oath had a major stylistic change a year before the question came out, and that people that listen to that kind of music, people probably listen to both, especially considering they were all in the solid state tooth and nail family. So, like the same fans were going to be checking both of those records out. I didn't say that one was better than the other, or that they were the same genre. I didn't say any of that (laughs) stuff. People are going to rewind and be like, here's you saying that right there. You said that. You, you actually said that. Now you're saying you didn't say that. Uh, but no, that's that's the great thing about video and audio. You can you can call us out anytime you want. Uh, but I think that Brian and I are not going to get into a fist fight over I'm Only a Man. Oh. I'm Only a Man is my favorite Emory record. Like, hands down, I love it. Um, it's my favorite Emory record today. It sometimes shifts. But, uh, for, for, but for today... Um, I, I recently watched again the uh, the live the live stream version of this, and um, I was absolutely just sitting in front of my computer, like you know, weeping. Like it just some of these songs, uh, the way they the, the, like the the live version of From Crib to Coffin. I mean, if you don't like at least shed a tear during that, you're you have no soul, you know. Uh, and man, I'm only a man. I listened to so many times. 
uh, between 2007 and like 2010. Like it was my go-to record. It was it was the record I put in my CD player and everywhere I drove, if I was driving somewhere, I was listening to I'm Only a Man. Um, a lot of fans complained that they went full pop on this one. Uh, I say bring it on because uh, if this is something I frequently say on the shows, if you're going to play pop music, play good pop music. Um, and I think that they absolutely killed it uh, with songs like the party song, World Away, um, Story About a Man with a Bad Heart. It's another one that if you don't feel anything when you're listening to that song, you are dead inside and should probably get that checked out. Um, don't Boris get us to the chorus. I, I love that song so, so much. Um, just from the, he's never going to go away. That just repeats over and over and over again. Um, what Makes a Man, again, is another kind of tearjerker sort of song. I'm not going to do a track by track rundown on this, but... Um, this is this is Emery at their most honest. This is Emery at their most passionate. And it's also them at their most like hooky and catchy. Yeah, I mean, I love this record when it came out. And I, I know a lot of people at the time didn't. I told Matt Carter, like, this record didn't leave my CD player for uh, months on end. It was my favorite Emery record today. I thought it was way better than the question. I And I think it appealed to me because I was older than maybe the average Emery fan at the time. And I think they tried to evolve their sound before their fans were ready for that, where, where Under Oath is getting heavier and people who were being introduced to Emery and Under Oath when they're coming onto the scene, they're introduced to this whole scene that is just heavier and bigger. And Emery, being older guys in their own right, evolved their sound up to something poppy and more commercially friendly because they've admitted they thought they were going to make a shit ton of money and this oh, yeah. record and this record flopped and and the music industry crashed and it really sucked to be that. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's it turns to be out everybody the fans, in music. <laughs> it turns out the fans, all those kids that just called it screamo music, that's all they wanted to hear. <laughs> was, yeah. was literally, you know, I'm trying my best not to say what you don't want to hear. Uh, but yeah, like it's, uh, it took me back kind of to a place whenever I just listened to more general like radio rock, you know, but like the lyrics meant a lot more to me on this. Um, story of the man about a bad heart is just like such a such a almost like mission statement <laughs> for Emery um, that it just can't. Um, I don't I don't know how you could listen to this record and be all like, oh, they didn't really scream enough. They only screamed a little bit on the party song and a little bit on from curb to coffin. And I just don't care about it, you know, because it's not loud and heavy or screamy or whatever. Um, I'm only a man was them going into uncharted territory. It was them taking a risk uh, that I think a lot of bands would, would not have taken. Um, and they, they put it all out on the line and unfortunately it blew up in their face. But I mean, at least we're still talking about Emery. It wasn't like, you know, that it wasn't that big of a flaw. And, um, you know, like they've said, you know, there's a lot of people out there like me that are like, dude, this is your, like, this is like my favorite album by you guys. Um, and it's not because I'm like some kind of big softy or anything. Like, I don't, I think a record, like I'm only a man hits me the way that it does, because I usually don't listen to records. Like I'm only a man, you know? Um, and so having, having that contrast. So like, you know, when I talk to other metal fans that are like, Oh, I just can't stand rock. I can't, in I don't like poppy rock and I don't like bands that do that sort of thing or whatever. You know, I can always, I can always point at a record like this and be like, dude, it's fine. You know what I mean? There, there's plenty of great bands. You're just not listening to the right ones, you know? And, um, yeah, I absolutely just ugh, from crib to coffin. Oh my gosh. Watching them play that on the live stream as a dad was like, I got a little, got a little teary eyed on that one. I can lie. And then straight up ball in front of my wife. It was kind of embarrassing, but it is what it is. <laughs> fine with it. It's a good record, especially in 2007, where we all know where mainstream metal and metalcore and rock went. This is one of those mid-road sounding records to me where I hear the things that everybody else ripped off. I hear the showbread in this. I hear the under oath in this. I hear the me without you in this. You said it before. They were all playing with the same blocks we just had to pick which pieces we were going to pick up today so this was the band trying to be more radio friendly when what the radio wanted was more of the screaming stuff they did three years ago so absolutely this one's going to fail but in hindsight this is one of their best albums because this is the album you can still play that doesn't sound like mid-2000s all the time and, and I think I think probably as fans have gotten older, those songs hit differently as your taste change and it change and evolve, right? Like 
you you grow up and you want something different from time to time and, and those songs work from a band that pulls them off really well absolutely yeah i mean i could praise this album i could probably do just a, a youtube video separate from this just about i'm only a man and i might actually do that so if anybody's feeling self-indulgent you can you know uh watch that whenever i put that out but um as as we move on it's interesting to see uh so bo- so before we get to the next record it's worth talking about uh for a minute at least uh an ep that they put out um that in my opinion um is one of my favorite eps of all time uh which is while uh, broken hearts prevail um only a few songs three of them i believe are on the next record yeah. Um, but there's a there's a very particular song that I that I like to mention that was on this um, that was on this EP called "Do the Things You Want," uh, which you know confirmed by Brian's uh, interview with Matt. Uh, you know that that was a big middle finger, you know, to the fans. Where it's like we'll play the songs that you want. Uh, we thought you loved us, but you don't. <laughs> you know, um, and it was just such a like a you know oh you guys hate you know we, we thought you were gonna love. Uh, I'm only a man. We thought it was going to be like, you know, something that we could all celebrate together. But apparently you guys don't like that. You only like, you know, our old stuff. So, you know, <laughs> this song's for you uh, sort of thing. And uh, I love that song. I listen to that. Um, I kind of listen to that song anytime I get in a fight with somebody or I get into like kind of a kind of a weird situation with somebody. It just it brings me comfort. And uh, I just think it's funny that that song kind of had that origin because I kind of always suspected that. But um, it's interesting as, as we move on to the next record, um, what direction they end up going in. Let me get my rum out as we move to 2009's In Shallow Seas We Sail. Oh, boy. Um, I love this record, too. This is going to be kind of a um, it's going to be like that uh, for, for most of this episode. I apologize. Uh, I love I love this record. I think, though, that it's interesting that after I'm Only a Man, they really kind of in a way kind of went back to the sound that was on the question and just, you know, beefed it up, spruced it up a um, lot more. Uh, th- th- there's a lot more screaming. There's a lot more of that kind of underground uh, feel to this one. But at the end, at the same time, some of the vocal melodies that they pull off on this record, like the the the, the point counterpoint that uh, that that Toby and Devin have going on, is just unreal. And you can hear that a lot on uh, on Cutthroat Collapse. Uh, that 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 song just comes out swinging, <laughs> and uh, it's like a, it's a within 30 seconds of listening to that song you're like oh okay if you hate it i'm only a man you're gonna you're gonna like this They're, they've kind of given you given you back sort of those things that you like about the band that aren't you know um you know the party song and <laughs> and, and stuff like that um i like this record because it was good and long it's fill. it's just it's absolutely brimming with content um dear death is is, is an amazing you know both parts uh just an amazing closer for the record uh, I like this one a lot. This one actually kind of replaced the question for me because I, I love that record. But like, again, um, kind of like what Brian was said, I, I've gotten older and the what? band's kind of gotten older with me. You got older? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. I know. Don't look under this cap. It's all gray. Um, but yeah, it's I, I've gotten older. They've gotten older with me. And so I, I relate to the lyrics a lot more than on something like the question, especially in 2009. And um, they they absolutely delivered in every aspect. It bugs me a little bit though that like they felt the need to kind of go go a little take a little bit of a step backwards musically uh, in order to achieve that goal. But it's not like as an Emory fan, kind of from the beginning, that I'm going to have a problem with it like fundamentally. I don't think they take a step back musically. I think like writing wise, like from a song structure and what they're writing. I mean, it is it is the follow up you would get to the question if they carried that natural progression because they're more talented at right. Yeah, as that's writers, I mean, as yeah. musicians, as a profession. And I mean, I mean, it's still kind of in there. I mean, inside our skin has elements that feel like they could be. I'm only a man with more screaming. I mean, this is this is an angry record. Matt Carter said this was a fuck you to our fans, right? Like. You want us to play this genre of music? Here you go. Like we can do that, and and that's that's what he said about this current state of the band. Like if they wanted to release a hardcore album and Toby scream the whole time, they could absolutely do it. But why? They they don't feel that pressure anymore. And at this point in their career, after a major flop, you feel that pressure if you want to continue and to succeed. And so you go back to give people what they want. And I mean, they were successful. It's not like they half-assed the week's end part two, right? Like, 
no not no and that yeah that's not what i'm trying to say is that it's in some way inferior to anything it's just that they um yeah it was it was kind of a middle finger like yeah we're just gonna i guess this is what you guys want us to play so we'll play it you know um but i mean they still it's emory so it's still like really good (laughs) you know and yeah you know as as a fan myself it's just like yeah okay yeah sure i'll be and i'll i'll take whatever you guys give me like i think my favorite moment are the strings on um churches are serial killers like that oh. string section is, is so great like that song is one of my favorite emory songs the parts of this album that i like remind me more of showbread than they do every other emo band i heard back in the mid to late 2000s i appreciate the middle finger concept of if this is the way we're going then we're just gonna do it because what better way to prove the point that naysayers of the style have been making it's not that hard to write an emo song in 2009 emory ladies and gentlemen yeah i mean i don't hear a lot of emo in this um i do hear a little bit in the next record but um just a little bit uh but yeah i think that they i mean again it's a slam dunk i think uh i don't necessarily know if it won any of the fans back but it probably got some newer ones in there or there's guys like me that never really left you know like it it was what i wanted and um I guess there's no better way to transition into the into the uh, next record title um, because on the next record they absolutely did what they wanted. 2011, we do what we want. We do what we want. I'm going home. This is my hey, podcast. We're going to talk about metal bands every single week. Brian Patton's going to be on my show. It's going to be amazing. I mean, this record. First of all, Devin's not on this record. It's it's immediately noticeable. So how do they how do they make up for this? Uh, they just go like balls out heavy, <laughs> but like, like in, in a change that I, I really was not anticipating them to go in this direction. Um, and then before you know it, they, when they released the shovel glass single, I listened to it. And I was like, what is, what is going on here? You know? And I was like, it's just a fluke. I mean, every now and again, Emery releases a heavy song and then scissors comes in and it's just like, just in all out of salt. And you're like, Holy crap. He's like, if it's true that I'm dead, you know, like, um, uh, this is dynamically very interesting to listen to because they still have that smoothness from the previous records, but they're not afraid to just kind of like take the gloves off and just absolutely go for it. Hearing breakdowns on Emory songs is just like crazy. But then at the same time, you get really high quality kind of more poppy rock songs on this record, uh, like the curse of perfect days. Um, or even, um, even I'm not here for rage <laughs> more than your hookup, even though that song makes you, it starts off making you think it's going to be like this ball buster of a song. And then it goes into like a really, really, really catchy kind of poppy rock song. Um, and I just, I, I love it. I'm here for it. Um, this has some of their, some of their darkest lyrics, uh, that I've heard like, uh, daddy's little peach never got to see the West coast. I mean, it's, it's. I would be lying if I said that, like, I felt like they were specific. If if I said that they weren't trying to cater specifically to me, because it's like this was exactly the kind of Emory record that I kind of always wanted to hear. I just kind of figured they would never do it. This is my favorite album. I like the additional heavy with just enough melody. And again, it's 2011. Generally, this, this is not my style, but. If you're going to put these elements together and swing just a little bit to the left of what was popular, I don't think anyone did it better than Emery, and I can hear what everybody else was ripping off. I remember the lead up to this release. Solid State did their, we're signing a new band, new band announcement on Friday. And then it was like, Emery. And I was like, what the fuck? One, they're in the family already because they're on Tooth and Nail, although I guess they weren't at the time. Um <laughs> And then, like, what is Emery doing on Solid State? Like, how much heavier could they be? And then you hear... And, like, I I get why you try to promote it and give it to Solid State fans, too. Like, it's definitely heavier, and it's it's the heaviest... This is my favorite Emery record. Let me me state that right right here. Like, sometimes I say it's, I'm only a man, but then I listen to We Do What We Want, and I'm like, no, this this record kicks its ass. (laughs) Yeah, these are the two that I swing back and forth. Uh, between i'm surprised when you say it's your favorite it's like brian Patton, ladies and gentlemen secret meathead see yeah but but it's not a meathead like it has those like emo elements like it veers into at times that 
chasing safety element of music, that Thursday side of emo, um, that heavier end, like bands like Thrice. Um, I mean, yeah, like it is as post hardcore as Emery really ever got. Like, and and it it works. I mean, it's there's nothing bad about that record. E- even like never got to see the West Coast when they like break it down acoustic ballad at the end. It's like that song rips your heart out. No. <laughs> Yeah, it's heavy. It, it's it's heavily themed, you know. Yeah, and 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 makes you think. Um, and it's so raw. Like it's just, one of my favorite things about Emery is how they could be singing a a beautiful acoustic. You know, they could be playing this beautiful acoustic melody and just be like, "If I could just kill myself," you know, like it, it, they just sing it like with, with all of this finesse and, and like it's it's so cutting that way because like a lot of bands they're gonna take their heavier subject matter and they're gonna throw it in the heavier songs. And they're going to, you know, theme everything out nice. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, you have a song, um, you have a song like Scissors that, that rips your you rips your heart out musically. And then you have I Never Got to See the West Coast, which rips out your heart lyrically and emotionally. Um, and they just they play with that dynamic so well on that record. Um, it's just it's absolutely killer. It's my last it's my last Emery record that I think is perfect. Yeah, well, like the thing. The only thing that I, so this is the first record Matt Carter produced, Darren Sprinkles, not lead producer on this record. Matt Carter takes it in-house. And like, the only thing that I would nitpick that I don't really love about this record is like some of the drum replacement on on the kick specifically, I, I don't love. Um, because Emery always has such a nice tight drum sound that it just sticks out on this record, which I, it's the sound of the genre at the time, so. Fuck the sound, man. If you don't need to replace the drum, don't do it. Right. And if you need to replace the drum, go practice your parts. Fair. Yeah, and this is one of those. Yeah, that is kind of one of those annoying decisions where it probably it, it literally had nothing to do with ability. It just had to do with actual sound. Right. <laughs> you know, we're on um, solid state now, guys. It has to be heavy. Got to have that solid state. Yeah, breakdown sound. Um, so uh, you know, this is one of those. Uh, this is one of those weird transitions where the band never really likes to stay in one specific genre and there's no better way uh to kind of showcase that than on uh you were never alone 2015 and i believe this record was not on solid state right no this this is the first one bad christian yeah that's right okay um i remember there being a lot of hype around this um because number one yeah like oh what are you guys gonna sound like when you're not on tooth and nail you know or whatever uh they still sound like emery um they go in so many different musical directions on this cd sometimes within a single song uh thrash really stands out to me obviously for starting off as as heavy and brutal as it starts off um and then by the end of it like they're like it is like the slowest ethereal like almost acapella parts you know in it like like i don't know it just they emery plays like plays with dynamics so much on this record that i love it for the most part like i love the song hard times i love thrash um the genre and that song and um like go wrong young man i like i like all of it really uh but i think that this is the least cohesive musically that they have put out the irony is you mentioned thrash at the point in the record where it is it's most emo sounding right at the beginning (laughs) we got very different definitions of emo we do there is the actual (laughs) definition of emo and then there is the radio pop version i understand there is a difference yeah um i really like this record um they really went thematic on the lyrics having each song be biblical based um and so it's one of those like get out your booklet and read along when you listen to it the first time um it's the last record so far that really sounds like emery um because they they i mean they steer hard in a different direction after this um but but i think this fits nicely in their discography and like nothing about this record stands out to me as exceptional but nothing about it is like well i don't really like that it's it's a good emery record they tried. They they tried a lot of different things, and I and I, I I definitely respect that. But I think from a like, there's Fan Dan who thinks it's a great record, and you know, yeah, you know, Emery, I love these guys. I love everything that they do. Um, music critic me is is kind of like ah, it needs to be a little bit more cohesive. It needs to have some. It needs to follow some sort of structure, which is just something the music critics say. Like, it doesn't have to do anything. 
you know that we've already established that they do what they want you know uh so it is one of those like if i have to look at it objectively i'm gonna say yeah it needs to be more cohesive it needs to be a little bit more trimmed down in places uh but as a fan i think it's a good emery record and like you said brian it's the last one that they where they really sound like them the the thing i will say about you're never alone is when you listen like the songs on their own like the way music is consumed now, it's a good record for how music is consumed now because it fits into like a shuffled Spotify playlist and it's noticeably Emery and, and it fits in seamlessly with the rest of their discography to this point. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know, listening to this record on vinyl, like it works cohesively for me as as a piece of, of art in the way it flows. So fair enough. Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this record is, is just all over the place. And I, uh, I can't really, I can't really like considering some of the other stuff that I listen to. And I tell you on this show is really good. Uh, I can't complain <laughs> too much uh, about it without being a total hypocrite. Um, but yeah, as we move on, things get, um, stupidly controversial as in it's <laughs> stupid that there was ever a controversy uh, about it. 2018 Eve. Hey, yeah. So, um, <laughs> You know, a lot of people are, um, you know, upset. I'm only going to leave it on the screen for a couple of minutes because YouTube or a couple of seconds because YouTube is, uh, you know, probably going to hit me for that. Uh, but it is one of those things where th this is obviously an artistic album cover. Um, it was not meant to be sexualized in any way. However, you have Emery, who has a very large percentage of Christian fans uh, and people that took issue uh, with there being nudity on the cover. And um, we did, me and John over on Brutally Speaking did like a whole hour long conversation with Toby specifically about the cover. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was this it was this whole big controversy. And um, although I think in a way the controversy probably helped the record a little bit, you know, got more people to check it out just because of like, oh, well, what's the big deal? You know, um, I like this record, but I don't um, I don't know. This is this is a hard one. This is a hard one because obviously i like the record i don't think any of emory's records suck i don't think that they're like a horrible band you know uh, there's not a record where i'm like yeesh why did you guys do that uh but this is this is emory moving in kind of a direction where i kind of appreciated it in that i've kind of grown out of a lot of the old like tropes you know to, the, the theme of this ep of this episode is kind of like a band growing with you as you get older and so um, this is absolutely the kind of music that somebody that has been listening to this kind of music for this many years is is going to enjoy. Um, but at the same time, I'm also kind of a meathead. So, like, I'm always kind of waiting for that, like, where's the where's the super heavy song that you guys throw on there? Like you did on the last record. What about the record before that? That was super, super heavy. Uh, so this is a record that I very much enjoy, but I have to be in the right mood for it. I have to kind of put myself in the zone to listen to Eve. Um, although there are songs like people are always going to ask me if we're going to cuss in an Emory song, uh, which is a hilarious title uh, for a really good song. Yeah, I mean, this is probably where my Emory apathy set in as their like media empire grew and it was you were seeing them everywhere and Matt Carter's on labeled and I don't begrudge them any of that but you're just like okay emory is everywhere and i i don't know that i can listen to a record and then there's the controversy with the artwork which which is stupid the amount of like violent movies that christian parents allow their teenagers to watch <laughs> i'll go one um, step further brian i've been to many an art museum many well, a yeah. cathedral and I have listened to many a classic rock record from the 60s and the 70s, not to mention some of the plays that were written and performed at that time. I'm over it, dudes. It's just a solid rock record. Controversy, whatever. It's a really good record that reminds me more of I'm Only a Man than any other album. It just has a little more of a random feeling. It's still trying to be radio rock in this genre, if that's possible, in 2018. Yeah, like adult contemporary emo. I mean, that's... <laughs> there you go. There you like, go. Like, my favorite song is Jesus Wept, and it's like under two minutes, and that, like, that, that kind of sucks. Uh, but I mean, yeah, is this real life? Jesus Wept is good. I mean, I, I think that's what I would say, is it's adult contemporary emo. I love that. I love that. I love how much we throw the word adult contemporary around on this show. Uh, <laughs> our, our favorite term usually is adult contemporary death metal, <laughs> which would be like your uh, between the buried and me's. That's what they <laughs> call it like that. Why can't yeah. I call it that? There you go. <laughs> this is not your grandma's death metal. 
knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Eve is, is is all around very, very, very solid. It's just kind of one of those things where, especially with what we do now, I mean, you got to think, and this is, you know, this is 2018. So like all three of us now are like heavily invested in our in our podcasts and what we're doing and in and, and all this stuff and so i'm i kind of hit a wall even with bands that i like like emory where i used to just be like foaming at the mouth for every new record where i almost feel like i can't keep up with the amount of stuff that's out there that i'm supposed to check out um so to say that i that i gave eve you know the years and years and years of listening like i gave uh i'm only a man i could t- i could feel totally differently about that record if i just put it and i might do that i might put it in my car for a week and only listen to that whenever I'm driving and I may have a totally different opinion on it but as it stands right now it's not my favorite I don't think it's bad but it's just uh it just didn't hit me uh the way that a lot of their other records hit me well and I think that's that's a fair point it's like yes I'm consuming so much music because of podcasting just there's a a bigger bowl in which I'm choosing from now than when Emery was putting out the question and so yeah when Eve came out I don't think I listened to it at all and then I have different opinions about it now, and I like it more now doing this discography discussion than back, what, a few months, a year when you and I did it for As the Story Grows Patreon. Right, yeah. Like, it continues to grow on me, and, like, that's the good part about music is it's always there for you, and you can go back and be like, man, this is actually really good. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, not not, not for spoilers or anything, but that's largely how I feel about the next record uh, as well. <laughs> 2020 white line fever it's like cocaine right it's the white line fever it's cocaine is that mm, yeah does that ring for anybody else just just me just me okay got it um i was white thinking line more fever. of the driving in the middle of the night around curvy two lane roads trying not to hit the oncoming traffic that randomly pops up uh so you're thinking about the atari 2600 game night driver uh which was uh literally a um it was basically a black screen with little dots. You had dots going down the road to simulate a 3D effect. And uh, it's one of the most relaxing video games you'll ever play in your life. Um, and White Line Fever, uh, you know, now that I think about it, I'm going to listen to White Line Fever while I play that game. And uh, that's going to help me fall asleep at night. You may have heard earlier this evening that I can't sleep without assistance. That's the kind of assistance that I'm going to need. As far as the record goes, this is probably the most chill and relaxing Emery record I've ever heard. <laughs> If I was a super fan, this would be a good place to be in 2020. It's a chill record by my favorite band who is not as emo as everybody says they are and is way more melodic in 2020 than they were back in 2004. So this is what I'm here for. For me, this doesn't work as well, but it doesn't make any mistakes. It's a solid melodic rock record. That's fine. It's just not for me. Yeah, I I liked the record when I first heard it and I, and I gave it a shot when it came out and I've returned to it trying to, to work through it and, and figure out what about this record I'm missing. And I just think it's like Emery doing something different and they've been a band for a long time. They're allowed to do something different. Like, oh, yeah. And I'm not I'm not going to begrudge them that if they want to do a, a soft rock record, like, great. That's awesome. I mean, like it still has like 238 is a great like angular uh, mappy song that's dedicated to the band 238 and so it sounds like that um like the record is good it's good but it doesn't do anything for me because i like dan said i don't have years of investment in it and it did not strike me enough in the moment for me to return to it because i'm on to the next thing because that is how we consume music now and yeah does that suck yeah but that's how it works now (laughs) it could be worse brian it could be if not now when (laughs) um Man, yeah, this record is... I love the song 238, by the way, and because I love the band 238. And I, I remember because we, when we, you and I were doing it for the uh, for the Patreon episode, I remember being like, this has got to be like an actual tribute to 238, right? Like, I mean, it just, it's got that same, like, discordant... Uh, that discordant melody, if that's a word, like that mm-hmm. 238 was, like, really good at, at doing, where everything just sounds kind of dry, but then, like, also, like, I don't know, um, noisy at the same time. I don't know. 238 is a great band. Uh, you, should, <laughs> you should check out all their stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this record is uh, definitely a relax, a more relaxed Emery. I mean, you still get some songs that are kind of <sighs> kind of familiar. Like, um, I feel like the noose is very, like, in line with, with classic Emery. 
Um, and they start the record off with enough energy, but as you go on, it just kind of starts to slow down for me, and uh, I'm fine with that. So I really you, am. Have you guys ever listened to Devin Shelton's solo work? I have not. It has so, been a long time. So I, it kind of reminds me of his record, Life and Death. I mean, that's okay. what this reminds me of. And and even even then, it's still notched back. But he did he did another solo record that was more soul based. And I mean, this feels like Devin is driving a lot of the songwriting on this record, and and this is like his vision, if that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I, without hearing the record, I could I could I could I could track that. Now, if I go listen to the record and then I I come back like two days later, I'll disagree with you heavily. Oh yeah, another knockdown drag out like we did about Under Oath. Uh, but you know. Um, if that's our knockdown drag out, that just shows how old we're all getting. Yeah. <laughs> this episode yeah, is way too chill to have a knockdown drag out fight, dude. Right. Oh boy. But, uh, yeah. So with Emery, what I think is interesting about them specifically is they went, they went beyond being a band, like just a band and launched essentially their own sort of, I don't want to say social network, but like there aren't a lot of bands that I can, I mean, they, they, yeah, they kind of did with Emery land. Um, where like there's this whole like if you're if you're not aware of this you need to be like more aware of it and this is not some kind of like commercial for Emeryland. i mean i'm subscribed to it but um i think that like with them starting when they started the label uh bad christian and they, they came out with the bad christian podcast they kind of pitched kind of what they do like thematically into a pod into a very successful podcast um and uh you know you've got you've got matt carter doing the labeled podcast now and um, and then you've got Emeryland, which is just like, it's more than just like a fan club. Like, I was really surprised that like they have entire re-recorded versions of records. Uh, you know, that you've got you've got 8-bit remixes of records. There's so much more than just the records with this band. Um, the community is awesome. They've got like uh, they've they've got, you know, a Discord server. They now use a they use a media service called Pillar, I believe, um, where like they'll just jump on their live or whatever and just like play an acoustic song or um, play like... They have their own cryptocurrency now. They have their own cryptocurrency. I wasn't going to bring that up, but uh, yeah, they do absolutely have their own crypto. Um, so like these guys, like more so than musicians, are incredible entrepreneurs and they're incredible at delivering things for their fans that I really don't think any other band does. Um, and I think that's that's truly what makes them unique is they've always been kind of ahead of the curve on all of this stuff. And it's not really slowing down anytime soon. Um, so I would encourage anybody to at least check some of that stuff out. Um, you know, like I said, it's not a commercial to go sign up, but um, I'm just telling you that's some of the cool stuff that you can do <laughs> with that. Final thoughts on Emery, Brian Patton. And Emery's great. I mean, do you like post-hardcore? Do you like emo? Do you like adult rock, radio rock? I mean, it's all there for you. Um, I mean, it's strong songwriting all around. They're a great band. Emery is not for me. Most of the stuff that Brian just said, that's why I don't like this band. It's not their fault, though. They were put in front of me at a time where the market was saturated with other bands that did most of these tricks, but just were annoying. So I think 2021 is a good year to look back and listen to the band and say there was more here because these guys can actually sing they can actually play they can write interesting songs and they can perform they have some cosmetic similarities to bands that i don't like so it might be a good time to give them another chance just wasn't for me damn what about you yeah i mean i love emory i'm down for whatever <laughs> for whatever they want to do um, you know, I'm signed up for the fan. I think I accidentally signed up for it twice um, for some reason. Uh, so they always send me two confirmation emails every month. So I should probably look into that, actually. Maybe maybe use that extra money to buy some crypto. Um, but I, I, yeah, I love everything that this band does. I, To me, they are the ultimate version of this kind of music, whatever, you, whatever title you want to put on this kind of music. Uh, I'm not going to get into any more arguments about what kind of music it is or it isn't, but they, they, they incorporate so many different styles and I can associate an Emory record with almost every era of my life uh, up to this point. So um, there aren't a lot of bands I can say that about. There's only one other one that has three letters in it that I could probably make the same case for. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. Check out Emory um, if you haven't already. I mean, they are absolutely everywhere. Um, so check them out and uh, make sure to check out their uh, their podcast as well. Because we are all about the podcasts 
That band's P.O.D., right? Sure. <laughs> Dan, what's your album I was going to say Limp Bizkit, yeah. <laughs> My album of the week. Well, you know, ever since watching Limp Bizkit on Lollapalooza, I've been spinning significant other uh, pretty hard. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a mix of that and Gold Cobra. But you, if you're looking to write it down in the notes, just go with uh, significant other. Brian, what about you? Landmarks, Lost in the Waves, uh, French band on a rising empire. They were recently on As the Story Grows, and their new record just kicks ass. For me, it's the Dead South, Illusion and Doubt, because who doesn't want some gritty folk music underneath whatever Emery did this week? I mean, gotta have that gritty folk music. Somebody's gotta do it. Sitting on a park bench. Take us out, <laughs> DFT. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and you would like to have... Uh, a chance to to submit bands that you want us to talk about. You know, I've I've picked almost all of my favorite bands now, so it's kind of on you guys as far as uh, giving us suggestions on bands to talk about on the show. And uh, there's a variety of ways that you can do that. You can always send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can find us on Instagram at discuss metal. You can find us on Twitter at discuss metal. And uh, if you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, it's only going to be probably a couple more weeks that you're going to have a chance to order the classic discography discussion logo T-shirt. And then we're going to have uh, a new round of T-shirts for you guys to check out. Not just T-shirts, but socks, cell phone cases, uh, all kinds of all kinds of cool stuff. So if you guys want to represent discography discussion in the real world, that's a great way to do it. There's going to be a link to that store in our show notes. And also in our show notes is a link to our Discord server that we talked about earlier. Um, Discord is the place to be if you want to talk to us, hang out with us, or just talk to other members of the uh, discography discussion community. We are all there with our hot takes and our memes and our music recommendations. So definitely check that out. And uh, we've recently launched the Discuss Metal Gaming YouTube channel where myself and Buddy stream games two nights a week. I stream on Mondays at 1030. It's late night gaming because uh, I'm a bit of a night owl. And uh, Buddy uh, Buddy streams on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure to be checking that out. And uh, once a month, you also get an episode of the FPS podcast with me and Rant. So make sure you are subscribed to the channel so that you know every single time that we go live. And uh, I think I covered everything. I think I think really to make my life easier, we should add three or four more other things we should do, we do every week. What do you think, Joe? And on that note, this has been episode 233 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I borrow some money so that I can, you know, uh, buy cryptocurrency? No, but $1 a month will get you into that exclusive album review feed. Brian, thank you so much. You can check out Brian Patton and As the Story Grows at asthestorygrows.com. 